Today we continue our study called Each Other, and you should have a full-page white outline inside your brochure, and I would love for you to follow along. Scripture text is right on the, the outline, going to be on the screens, or if you want to use a mobile device or your Bible, that's fine too. Um, it, it just it helps you, this outline helps you to get involved, engage in it, fill in some blanks, it'll help you remember some things. So let me ask you a question. We're going to start off today with a question. I want you to think about this. This is a rhetorical question. This is a question that you don't want to point to anybody, look at anybody, nudge anybody that's near you, okay, because it could get you in trouble a little bit later. You'll see what I'm talking about. Do you know anybody who drives you crazy? That's a good question, isn't it? Do you know anybody who drives you crazy? I know someone <clears throat> who complains about everything. Anybody else know people like that? I know someone who is loud and obnoxious. I know someone who never makes a decision about anything. I know someone who doesn't stop talking. I know someone who invades my personal space when they're talking. Do you know what I'm talking about by that? I know someone who disagrees with everything I say. I know someone who has an opinion on everything. I know someone who is very rude and inconsiderate. How about you? Do you have anybody in your life who just drives you crazy? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. You know, we have to admit something, and this is something that we need to grab. People are going to irritate us. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just tell them, people are going to irritate you. I promise it won't be me, okay? But people are going to irritate us. I know this is hard to believe. It's, it's, it's really hard to believe, but sometimes, I'm sorry, I'm going to irritate you. I'm sorry. I know it's hard to believe, but sometimes you irritate me. Oh, you know, gasp. Okay? And I think most of us would agree that one of the most difficult things in life is learning how to get along with people who irritate you, who bother you, who drive you crazy. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus in this room, you have lots of options. I'm just telling you, you're in a good place if you're not a follower of Jesus because you have the options of anywhere between ignoring that person or assaulting the person who bothers you. Those are your options, right? But listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, you got one option. Jesus tells his followers, I give you a new commandment, love each other as I have loved you. One option. So he reduces everything down to one commandment. Wow. Love each other. Get this down on your outline. We are called to love each other as Jesus loves us. Now, what he does is Jesus gives us this one commandment, and then the New Testament unpacks this one commandment with dozens of applications. In fact, we are told 58 different times in the New Testament to love each other by expressing it in various ways to each other. And so, really, that's what we built this series about. We're not going to spend 58 weeks, you know, talking about these things, but we are going to spend a few weeks in this series talking about how we can express our love for each other through all kinds of different ways that the New Testament talks about. And all too often, in the church, we miss this. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we miss this. But one person who got this was the Apostle Paul. 
And Paul writes about loving each other in all kinds of different ways all throughout his letters to different churches and different church leaders in the New Testament. Take a look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Keep in mind, he's writing to believers, to followers of Jesus in the city, the area of Ephesus. He writes this, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of of your love. I want you to circle the phrase making allowance. Would you say that with me? Making allowance. Now this comes from an interesting word. One word makes up this English phrase, one word in the Greek language. If you don't know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, Koine Greek, and then translated so that we can understand it in English. And this, this one Greek word means to endure. Do you, do you have people in your life that you just have to endure. It's a good, good thought, isn't it? We all have those kind of people. It, it's, it's kind of the image, this Greek word gives us the image of a guy that has heavy weights placed on him, on his shoulders, and he remains standing no matter how heavy the weights get. He endures. You endure. I endure. Boy, this is as real as it gets. I told Bill before service, I said, this is this is one that is a tough, tough passage for all of us. It's kind of messy. Have you noticed that being in relationship with other people is kind of a messy thing? It's not just clean cut. It's not just black and white. It's just sometimes it's a little messy. And, and trying to love each other as Jesus loves us, it gets hard. It's not an easy thing. I mean, this means putting up with each other's personalities, Anybody ever around somebody with a personality that just kind of rubs you the wrong way? Okay, don't look at them, okay, because that's just not going to go well for you today. Um, you know, it means putting up with each other's habits. Do, do, do you know people who click pins all the time or suck their teeth? Or, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm just, I'm just throwing out. We, we all know these kind of people, you know, we have to put up with their differences, their opinions, their blind spots, their paradigms. Their, I call them their quirks and their quacks, right? Making allowances for each other doesn't mean that we ignore serious problems or overlook sin. That's not what Paul is talking about. Paul calls us to put up with each other as we are changing to become more and more like Jesus every day. It is a daily process in our lives. And we are to put up with each other in the church. We are to put up with each other as we are becoming more and more like Jesus. None of us are even close to perfect. <gasps> Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, unless it's going to be straight right now, okay? Just tell them, you are not perfect. And neither am I, Right? We're not. None of us are perfect. We're not even close to perfect. So here's the deal. We have to stop unrealistic and unreasonable expectations on each other. We, we got to stop having those. In fact, I want you to get this down. We can't love each other without making allowances for each other. Because sometimes people will drive you crazy. Loving each other requires that we make allowances for each other. And, I, and right about now, you may be thinking to yourself, you know, I put up with a lot. I mean, come on. 
I, I, I put up with people all around me all the time that are hard to put up with. But my question to you is, are you making allowances for others the way Paul is talking about? I mean, you might be putting up with people all the time, but what's your attitude in putting up with those people? What's your approach in putting up with those people? All too often, you know what we do when we come across irritating people, when we come across people who drive us crazy, you know what we do? We just suck it up, right? It's like, I know I got to put up with you, but I only got to put up with you for two minutes right now, and I think I can hold my breath that long. I can shut my mouth that long. I can put my hands down to my sides, and I can put up with you for that amount of time. Don't stretch it any more than that, because I got to get out of here. Right? We, we, we really approach it. We suck it up with people. And you know what it causes? It causes bitterness. It causes resentment. It causes anger. It causes a general dislike of people. Not going to ask for a show of hands or any response here, but have you, ever, have you ever been jaded because you used to work with somebody that was like this, and then you meet somebody a year later, and all of a sudden you're seeing the same kind of personality quirks in them and you're thinking, oh man, they are just like Joe, right? And what do you do with this new friend that you just met? You discount him. You, you disqualify him. Why? Because long ago we were just putting up with Joe. It created this dislike of people. And the results? Failed relationships. Broken marriages. Broken homes. Hmm. Paul says we're to put up with each other differently. Look what it says. Paul says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your what? Love, because of your love. Now, you may know this already, but in, in Scripture, there are three different Greek words used for our English word love. Um, you may know these three. They may be something that you're popular, uh, that are, it's popular. You may be common to, to you. Eros, phileo, and agape. In a general sense, eros is a love that takes. It's a taking love. I, I love you because of what I can get out of you. Um, that's, that's kind of the, the, the kind of love that the world has. It's a sexual, lustful, strives for satisfaction kind of love. Phileo is a love of give and take. I, I love you because of what I can get from you and what I can give to you. It's a friendship love. It's where we get the idea of the city of Philadelphia, brotherly love. Okay? It's, it's a give and take kind of love. But agape, agape is the kind of love that gives. I give to you, no take, no get, just giving. Guess which of these three Paul uses in our text? Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. It's agape. It's all giving, no taking. This is a kind of love that only wants the best for others. This is a kind of love that seeks the other's good at any price. Jesus talks about this love. In John 15, Jesus said, the greatest love you can show is to give your life for your friends. It's agape love. Same word. It's a, it's a love where you give up yourself for someone else. Selfless. No matter what anybody else does or says to me, I'm making allowances for them. Hmm. Paul says, this kind of love is patient, 
and kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not selfish. And it does not get upset with others. It does not count up wrongs that have been done. It patiently accepts all things. It always trusts, always hopes, and always what? Endures. Making allowances. So, so basically, this is a kind of love that Paul is calling us to, to make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. He's calling us to this kind of love, and, and it's really a kind of love that gives people space. It gives them room. In fact, I want you to fill this in. I know it's not a highlight, but I think this is important for us to grab today. Giving people room to be who they are and become who God wants them to be. Now, let me explain that to you, unpack that a little bit. We are to give people room because we're making allowances for people in our lives because of our love, our agape love, which is a selfless giving love. We're not looking to grab or to get. We're only looking to give. Because of our love, we are to give people um, room to be who they are, even though right now who they are drives you crazy or irritates you, or bothers you, or rubs you the wrong, wrong way. They do or say things that just get under, it gets under your skin constantly. Paul's saying, make allowances for them. Give them room. Why? Because God's not done with them. Hmm. So, so we are to give people room to be who they are, and to become who God wants them to be. So, so God is in process in their life. i, I got to ask you a question. Aren't you so glad that God does this to you? I mean, come on. If, if God were to write you off because you rub him wrong, or, or to, to write you off because your personality is not quite what it should be, what kind of God would be? He would not be a loving God, Right? You'd be a judgmental God. See, Paul is saying we can't be this way. Jesus was never this way. He was open to people. He gave them room. He made allowances for them. Hmm. This is what we as a church are called to do. We're supposed to be a group of people who give others room. The church is supposed to be a place where you can come in and you can say, man, I, I know I have issues. I know I got some stuff going on. I don't have everything figured out. I don't have all the answers, but I just want to follow Jesus. And our response to those kinds of people should be, come on, let's do this together. I'm with you. You know why? Because that's me too. That's the thing I like about the church. I mean, I grew up in church. I've been in church all my life. And the thing that I like about the church is it's not, not full of perfect people. It's full of imperfect people who are, who are wanting and striving to follow Jesus. And we're growing. We're changing. Don't have everything figured out. We just want to follow. In fact, Jesus never said that you have to have it all together before you can become a follower of him. I mean, look at the crew that he picked handpicked, 12 of them. They definitely didn't have it all together. So the church is to be a safe place where our, where our differences and our mistakes you know, with each other are quickly forgotten, where there's no grudges, no, only allowances made. 
And, and we got to, come on, we got to admit this. All of us have rubbed each other the wrong way at some point. We've said the wrong thing at the wrong time. I, you, you and I know that we have done this. We have done this even together at each other. And let's be honest, we, we probably wouldn't even hang out with each other except for the fact that we have Jesus in common and we come to the same church. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. But because of this commonality, we are called to each other, each other. That's what Paul talks about. We, we are called in this text, in Ephesians 4, to make allowances for each other. So maybe you've thought, well, I, I don't have to put up with this. Actually, you do, if you're a follower of Jesus. Remember what Paul says? Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. You know what that says to me? That says to me that we cannot stop loving each other because of each other's faults. If you have a fault, if you have something wrong, if you have an issue in your life, I am still supposed to love you. Wow. Okay, with all that said, how are we doing? I'm, I, come on. I, putting these notes together... I was like, I'm not really sure I'm qualified to even teach this, because this is tough. Come on, let's be honest. We're in church, okay? It's okay to be honest here. Isn't this tough? Do you have people that you have already been cycling through the Rolodex of your brain, you know, the hard drive of your brain, you've just been flipping through, you're thinking, oh man, that means I got to put up with him. I got to put up with her. I got to make a lot. I don't know if I can do this. I struggle with this. So, so what can help us? That was the question I asked this week. I'm like, this is great. And this is, you know, Paul, you, man, you just put it straight right out there in front of us. But, but what can help me do this? Because I struggle with this. And I came across something about Paul that really spoke to me. And I hope it speaks to you. Paul shows us how this worked in his life. Take a look. What Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1, Paul says, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Now, hold on. Let's just think about this for a moment. Paul is saying, I'm the worst. Not the best. The worst. He says, but God had mercy on me so that Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. How did Paul see himself? He saw himself as one of the worst sinners. Now, did he do this to just keep beating himself down? Did he, did he tell himself, you know, how bad of a person he is? And all? No, no. He, he, what he was doing is he was seeing himself as the worst sinner so that he could realize and recognize the bigness of God's mercy in his life, how patient God had been with him. How God had poured out grace in his life even though he didn't deserve it. Friends, we are all sinners. We can't lose sight of this. We're all a mess. Turn to somebody, just tell them, you're a mess. You are. We all are all a mess. We can never forget who we are. Sinners who received mercy, 
Paul openly declares that he is a sinner who received mercy from God. And just like Paul, if I realize I am a sinner saved by grace, my attitude and my approach toward others will be different. It will affect it. Despite what they do to me, despite what they say to me, I can show them patience and grace and mercy and love. When, when people do the wrong thing to me, I can shrug it off and make allowances for them because I'm sure that at times I have done wrong things toward others. When, when people are rude and offensive and say mean things and do mean things with their words, I can shrug it off and make allowances for them because I know I have been unkind to others before as well. I want you to get this down. I can make allowances for elders because I know what God has done for me. Read it with me. I can make allowances for others because I know what God has done for me. Hmm. I can let things go because God doesn't hold it against me. I can let things go because I know that God has forgiven me. I can let things go because I know God has made allowances for me. And so as, as we wrap off, the one thing that I always want to bring every week back to is this big picture. I, I don't want us to mix, mix, miss rather the, the context for all of this. I want, to, I want us to read this passage, but I want us to read this passage in context in Ephesians 4 and gain this big picture. So let's take a look. I beg you, Paul says, to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Let's read that again, huh? Rewind that. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And then he continues. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body. Wait, what body is he talking about? The church. He makes his whole body, the church, fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body, wait, so that the whole church is healthy and growing and full of love. Don't miss the big picture here. The context for this kind of love is the church. Now, I'm not saying, <laughs> don't leave here and go, well, Bart said that I don't have to love anybody outside the church. That's not what I'm saying. Because there's other passages, Jesus talks about that a lot. So I can point you to some other things that, where Jesus tells us to love other people. But now I'm just talking right here. Paul is writing to the context of the church. And if you're a regular attender here at Pathway Church, you, you are a part of a church. So, so in one way, what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he's writing to the church in Claremont today. And he's saying that becoming like Jesus is meant to be a community experience. Did you hear me? Don't ever think that you can do this alone. Jesus never calls you to a solo experience. He calls you to a community. 
If you want the Greek word, if you're into that kind of stuff, it's ekklesia. It's an awesome word. It's a gathering. It's what he calls us to. Jesus wants to form your character. He wants to change you. So he puts you into a community with other people in a church. And I go back to a statement I said earlier. We, we probably wouldn't even be hanging out with each other other than the fact that we have Jesus in common. We come to the same church. Think about that for a moment. He takes people from all walks of life, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of diversity, and he puts them together, all kinds of generations, all kinds of paradigms, puts them together in a church like Pathway Church. And then he says, now you got to get along because that's how you're going to learn to love. And if we can love here, we can love outside the church. The sad thing, I'm on my soapbox, Brooke. You may be playing a while, okay? The sad thing, the sad thing is that we find it easier sometimes in church, not so much here at Pathway Church. We've got a great church. If you're visiting with us today, this is, you need to be here. It's a good church. But I've been a part of other churches that have a harder time loving each other in the church than they do loving people outside the church. And there's all this infighting and bickering and stuff, and it's just gross. It's, it's, this is exactly what Paul's talking about. I mean, he, he wrote this making allowances for each other. He wrote this not only to the church at Ephesus, he also wrote this to the church at Colossae. He, he, is, he is trying to get this across, that we have got to learn in the church to make allowances for each other. If we can't learn to love each other in here, then we got this all wrong. We're missing something. Friends, listen, you can't each other each other if, if we're never together as a whole, as a body. And I think that's a big picture thing. I'm not just talking attendance. It's important for you to come and be a part of a church. But I'm talking about being together. If we're not together, we can't each other each other. We miss this. I think many of the problems in churches today are connected to this. That's why we don't experience this, this supernatural move of God in churches, the interpersonal church life that the New Testament talks about. The, the world looks on with skepticism and disdain. They call us hypocrites, how we relate to each other in church. They mock us. Anytime you see church put out on the big screen or the little screen or online or whatever, they are mocking the relationships that you and I have in churches. You know why? Because we've missed this. We've got this wrong. Jesus says, if the church, if my followers get this right, everything changes. Look what he says. All people will know that you are my followers. If you love each other, you, you see how it works? If we can love each other inside the church, the body, everybody on the outside, they're going to say, whoa, there's something different about those people. Wait, there, there's something different about these kinds of people. They've got something that I don't see in all kinds of places. And, and they're going to become people who say, you know what? That's the kind of employee that I want working in my company. Oh, wait, that's the kind of guy that I want marrying my daughter. You, you follow me? That's the kind of neighbor that I want to have because there's something different about them. You know what they're seeing? They're seeing us love each other. 
and making allowances for each other, even when it's tough. That's why it's so important for you to gather weekly. I recently had a person say, do you think it's really important to come to church every week? And I said, you know what? I still have a lot that I need to change in my life. So I need to get to church. I don't know about you. I just left it hanging. (laughs) I didn't even finish off the thought. Because that's what I believe. Friends, listen. The church is here to help you. It, It helps you change. It helps you become the kind of person that God wants you to be. And the more that we're around each other, I mean, I love y'all, but y'all are weird sometimes, all right? I mean, come on, let's just be honest. And I'm probably weird to you sometimes too, okay? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the more that we hang out together, the more that we see this, and the more that we're forced to, <laughs> to make allowances with each other. And for some of you, I look out today, I look out at some of you that have been with us here for years, this week I was thinking this. There's some people that have been here like 20 years with us or more, okay, with my wife and I. It was before you, Brooke. Anyway, and, and you know the cool thing is they still like me. You know why? Because <laughs> they've made allowances. They've given me space. They've given me room. Bart's a good guy, but he's got some quirks, and we're just going to give him space because he's still growing up. He's still changing. Jesus is still changing him. We're still praying for him. That's why I'm so glad you're here today. Because by being here today, it's one more step in the change that God wants to bring into your life through his church, making allowances for each other.